I'm Joe Beachboard. And I'm Dr. Dennis Davis. And this is Workplace Strategies Update. Dennis, how you doing? I'm doing well, Joe. Yourself? I'm just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, podcast number four. Or five. Or five. That's right, because uh, we did a special podcast this week. Uh, you did a discussion on uh, workplace violence. We did a discussion on well, workplace violence. Well, that's true. That's true. You yes. were the expert on it. I just well, was true. sort of riding on your coattails. That's like, true. You do uh, that a lot, I, Joe. Yes, I do. I do. Goodness. I do. Um, but it was excellent, substantive, yeah. sad. It's a sad and tragic topic, but you did give some um, nice advice. But uh, just assure everyone that we're not going to do that regularly. No. We're not going to do two podcasts regularly because right. that's just too much time together. It's, but, it's way too much time <laughs> together. <laughs> but anyways, we hope you found it uh, it uh, useful and helpful. So uh, we've got a lot to cover today. We're going to talk a little bit about some news with respect to workplace strategies. Uh, of course, the program being held in Austin on June 23rd through right. the 25th. Right. Uh, we've got a special guest with us. Congressman Charlie Gonzalez. You're going to love it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. Great guy. Great, great speaker. Yeah. Great insights. Yes. And then we'll, of course, end the program with what you drinking. I have my bottle here, this beautiful bottle. And I have my bottle as well. Yeah. So uh, we've got a great, great program for you here today. Uh, first of all, of course, as always, thank you so much for watching the program or listening to the podcast. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, we hope you will do so on Spotify or Apple. On Apple as well. Right. Uh, please be sure to provide your input on the program. We'd love to get your thoughts on what you like and what you don't like about what Dennis does because, you know, there's nothing not to like about this half of the table. You right. see what I put up with? Uh, well, you know, that's it. Uh, and so we'd love to have your input. And then also don't forget to participate in the polls if you're on the video cast side because there are two ways for you to win a bottle of Dennis's wine. <laughs> so you can either participate in the poll at the end of the program in which we will tell, each of us will tell the story of our bottle of wine. And I mentioned this beautiful bottle of wine up here. Um, and then you are uh, asked to vote for which of the stories that you prefer. Uh, and then whichever bottle gets the most votes, the loser will send a bottle of wine to somebody that we randomly select from everyone who has answered the polls and subscribed on Spotify or on Apple. Apple. So you really have two ways to get entered in the drawing. Absolutely. And as, as well. By the way, just so you know, the wine will come from Joe. Well, uh, I, I guess, you know, maybe next week. Because this week, <laughs> the results did not turn out in your favor, Dr. Dennis. I'm told that. I'm yes. told that. Yeah. So uh, it was very close. The voting was very close. Last week, you were enjoying the brown, the brown Cabernet. estate Cabernet. And I had the eight years in the desert. And in, in, it was close. The voting was close. But um, unfortunately, you got the silver medal. I know my story was better. Yeah. Not what the audience said. All right. So um, Dennis will be sending a uh, bottle of Brown Estate to Nancy Cassidy at uh, Hendrick Auto, one of our friends out at Hendrick Auto. It's on the way, Nancy. It's on the way. So in, enjoy that. Remember, you can win a bottle next week by simply 
subscribing on Spotify or Apple or by participating in the poll at the end and determine whether you prefer the story I have to tell you about this beautiful bottle. Or the story I'm going to tell you about this beautiful bottle. Yes, well, they're both wonderful wines, and you can't go wrong whichever one you win. It's just this is a better story. So that's the way that goes. All right, let's talk a little bit about workplace strategies. Let's do that. So uh, first of all, I have some uh, news with respect to the charity. Well, have we made the selection yet about what charity we're going to be supporting? Well, no, we have not yet, but we're close. Okay. We are very close. Okay. We always try to uh, find the right charity, something that, that, that resonates with us in the yes. audience and yes. that's local. And, and I think we're getting very close and probably we'll be able to announce that maybe even next, maybe even next, uh, next week. Okay. But, but what we are ready to announce is the fact that we, in light of the circumstances and the situation and the pandemic and the limited numbers and all that sort of stuff, we're going to move the charity event, which is the biggest party that we have mm -hmm. at, at the Workplace Strategies. We're going to move that charity event from Wednesday, June 23rd to Thursday, June 24th to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to participate and we can, you know, spread out, have everybody there, and it'll be um, a really great event and we'll raise money for a really great charity. Good cause. And to, and to donate, all you have to do is show up because we will make a contribution based on the total number of people who participate in the charity event. Okay, but if we're doing that on Thursday, then what are we going to do on Wednesday? That's a very good question. Uh, and we're still sort of working out some of the details. But what we're thinking about is that we will hold small group dinners in meeting space uh, throughout the hotel. We basically have all the meeting space at the hotel. Yeah. And yeah. so we can use some of the smaller rooms to have um, meetings with the attendees and with our lawyers. You see, we're not going to be able to do our lunch with the lawyers. Usually on Friday, we do this big lunch with the lawyers event. It's always one of the most popular things. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. can sit with lawyers from around the country and ask questions and get insights and talk about the topics on the program. We're not going to be able to do that because because of the social distancing, we can't fit yeah. that many people into one yeah. one room. So what we thought was this was an idea. So not lunch with the lawyers, but um, I don't know, we could call it something like dinner with the doctorates or something like that. That's an idea. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so that'll be the plan. So, um, you know, come join us. And on Wednesday, we will uh, have the dinner with the doctorates. And Thursday, we'll have the big charity event. Good, good. Well, now let's turn to our special guest for today, uh, Mr. Charlie Gonzalez. Uh, Charlie has had a remarkable legal career. He has practiced law and is currently of counsel in Ogletree's San Antonio office. He interpreted the law, serving as a judge for many years. And he made law when he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives seven times. Wow. Seven times. From 1998 through 2013. Incredible. In his capacity as an elected representative, Mr. Gonzalez served on the financial services, energy and commerce, judiciary, small business, and homeland security committees. I mean, he was really busy. In addition to that, he was the chair of the Hispanic Caucus. Wow, we're pretty lucky to know him. Hey, Charlie Gonzalez, how you doing there? Hey, Charlie. Hi, <laughs> y'all are something else. Good to see you. Good to see you well, as well. We've heard that all the time, <laughs> don't you? Yeah. Why don't we go ahead and jump into it, Charlie? So, Sounds good. You know, you spent 15 years in Washington in that very building where you spent all that time that we saw overtaken on January 6th. What was that like for you? What was going on for you as you watched that? 
Well, you know, I received a call, Dennis, and they said, you know, you better turn it on. And I, and I knew that there was going to be some demonstrations. But when I turned it on, it was pretty much the storming of the United States Capitol. And so uh, other than shock and disappointment, uh, you know, there was a lot of sadness. And then it was the concern for everyone in the building, because yeah. uh, I remember 9-11 and we exited the building. And here you basically it's being stormed. And so, yeah, I thought of uh, members of Congress, but more so, you know, their staff and, and then the Capitol Police. And I knew from the beginning there was no way that the Capitol Police had the resources and personnel to effectively repulse what was going on. They're, they were going to be overwhelmed. Hmm. So I was just hoping everybody, you know, was down in the tunnels and getting out or, you know, would seek safe, uh, safe haven can't imagine what you must have been going through. You know, from, from an outsider's perspective, it seems that people seem to be more willing to cross the aisle in years gone by than they are now in, in the interest of getting stuff done. Is that accurate or is that just nostalgia getting the best of me? Well, it, it seems to me that when there is a, a common enemy or a common threat, a threat, it brings everyone together. 9-11 is, is going to be the example that we always will refer to. And, and we really did see eye to eye on what we had to do uh, to defeat what was obviously an enemy that had attacked us. I thought the pandemic, we would also unite. We did not. But with what happened on January 6th, we, still we don't even have a meeting of the minds of the extent of it or the people's motivations. Uh, we're back to basically going at each other. Uh, I think for a moment there, everyone came together to condemn the behavior. But since then, we're back to Washington being the gridlock capital of the world. Yeah, yeah. unfortunate. Uh, Charlie, yeah, uh, gridlock certainly has been the theme in Washington, D.C. for quite some time. Uh, what is your assessment, though, of the Biden administration's agenda on labor policy? Well, it is pretty ambitious. And, uh, and I would say anyone that's listening or watching this to make sure they keep a close eye as things develop and the different ways that things will be developing. Uh, the first thing would be executive orders. And we've had discussions about a couple that might impact uh, employers. And the ones that come to mind, you know, at the top of my head would, would just be uh, that the president rescinded President Trump's order barring racial sensitivity training by uh, governmental uh, contractors. Uh, so you, you were already doing it. You can continue doing it in essence. But the other one that is, is developing as we speak, and maybe something came out in the last 24, 48 hours, I don't know. And that was, again, an executive order directing OSHA to come up with basically what is referred to as temporary uh, emergency temporary standards when it comes to the situation in the workplace in high hazard industries during the pandemic. So I think you're going to see something coming out. Jim Plunkett in our Washington office, uh, I know last Friday when I inquired, he said nothing yet, lots of rumors, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> Ogletree Deacons doesn't operate on rumors, so there's no advice to be given on that. Uh, the other thing, too, is you can expect uh, some major pieces of legislation like the PRO Act. Uh, we know that's going to happen. Uh, but we, it, let me put it this way. 
for everyone that's listening and employers writ large, uh, you may get concerned about something that gets passed out of the House. Uh, the real question is, will it get passed out of the Senate? And there's a real issue, as long as there's still a filibuster, that requires 60 votes uh, to bring a bill to the floor. Because the Democrats only have 50 votes. They're never going to get to the 60. So that's going to be the big question. But they did pass under reconciliation, which is a budgetary uh, move, where you just have matters that are germane because they involve the budget. And that was the American Rescue Plan. I'm sure many that are listening right now are going to be familiar with a couple of the aspects. Uh, they may not directly impact the obligation of the employer unless they want to assume some of it. But uh, some of the family leave provisions have been extended with the tax credit. And uh, the other thing is COBRA, where basically you'd be subsidized when an employee is terminated and the government is going to basically carry the COBRA coverage and, and what that will cost. So there's some things that definitely will impact indirectly, but will still impact uh, the employment uh, place. Charlie, um, the cabinet position that tends to impact, impact the employer community, community the most is the Department of Labor, of course. And uh, Marty Walsh has now been confirmed for that role. What do you, what do you know about uh, Marty Walsh and about what his uh, presence in that role might mean for, the, uh, for employers? Well, there is no doubt uh, that you will have someone there that is going to be pro-union. His, his whole background, you know, he did head, uh, I think it's uh, the Boston Construction and Building Trades Council, so uh, he's very familiar. But he also, as mayor of Boston, uh, really pushed back on the teachers' union on reopening schools, where they were very hesitant and had objections, and he simply said, we're going to follow the science on this. So, I mean, the other thing uh, that I, I feel very good about is that when the committee that considered his uh, nomination voted, it, voted him out in a very bipartisan manner, which included the most senior member of that committee, and, and that's going to be Senator Burr, who had some, some words of praise saying, this man, I think, will listen. And he, uh, Marty Walsh does have a reputation for listening to both sides. It does not mean that he's not going to be for much of the PRO Act and uh, other measures that I think employers will, will cause him some heartburn. But all in all, you're hearing some good things about him. Uh, but he, he is a product of uh, basically unions, and uh, you're going to see that. Charlie, um... You and I have had the pleasure of speaking on a number of programs, including one last week. And one of the comments that you made really resonated with me and, and wanted to pull you in on that. And that is what, what your view and vision on the importance of you know, grassroots involvement in order to make sure democracy works, right? That, that everybody has a role in, in the process for our legislative system to be successful. And that, that, that's something that both Democrats and Republicans and independents all need to be thinking about if we're gonna get back to a, a, a more um, normal operating Washington, D.C. 
No, absolutely, Joe. You know, and, and Dennis knows this because I think Dennis and I co-presented three years ago, Dennis. Yes, we and we did. were talking about this. And that is, in the final analysis, it's up to the average citizen who votes. Mm-hmm. And that is, you want to elect individuals that are willing to negotiate and compromise. That is the legislative process. The gridlock you see today is that people are entrenched. But they, these representatives feel like they don't even have any wiggle room or that voter will vote them out. You, you have to allow your elected officials, uh, like I said, to negotiate and such. Uh, if we never do that, we never form consensus and we will remain divided. And I guess we have to look inward and, and Dennis probably can tell, tell you about that. Uh, you know, never fight an evil like it's some foreign ma- uh, matter or being or spirit. You have to look inside your own heart and we start, I mean, I see it every day, Joe and Dennis, and that is people that just have such strong beliefs. We were, we politicized the pandemic. We're depending on, you know, whether you wear a mask, don't wear a mask, whether you can get vaccine or not vaccinated. We really have to start listening to one another. Uh, so it really is, uh, to your point, uh, it's in our hands. We are a democracy. People vote people into office, and uh, we can vote them out of office when they're unreasonable and entrenched and and not really pursuing the common good. Uh, And that still remains a real serious concern of mine. Well, Charlie, to that point, um, you serve on the Workplace Strategy Special Guest Committee, and you've always been very helpful in finding relevant speakers for us usually people from the other side of the aisle, actually. People like Mike Rogers, who a couple of years ago came in and did just a fabulous uh, job who who you invited. And I know you now have a special announcement to make about our uh, keynote welcome address on Wednesday, June the 23rd. Yeah, I'm happy uh, to announce that uh, former Congressman Will Hurd from the 23rd Congressional District of the great state of Texas uh, is going to join us. And I've got to tell you a little bit, and I'm going to refer to him by his first name, not the, out of disrespect or anything. He, he is a personal friend. And we just had dinner last Tuesday, and it was just fascinating because we, we actually told bipartisan jokes. Things got so good. Uh, but Will Hurd uh, actually was, he was elected in 2014 and decided not to seek re-election. So his last day in office was around January 3rd of this year. He's an incredible, incredible young man. Uh, and he does understand what bipartisanship is all about. Uh, you would think that his job in Congress was the most interesting, but when I give you a little bit of uh, background, you're gonna say, gosh, Congress must've been boring compared to what he did previously. But what he did in Congress was incredible. And that is, he's an expert in cybersecurity. So he went, as a freshman, he chaired a very important subcommittee on information technology and uh, was very instrumental in passing many pieces of legislation that have protected the cybersecurity of the United States of America. And you know what's going on on that front. I think all the employers out there know darn well what they have to do just to safeguard their information. Well, think in terms of the military and government facilities and what they have to do. Uh, But previous to that, He does understand uh, the position of employers because he was an employer. 
He was an executive in a cybersecurity firm. But his most interesting job, and I hope that he'll touch on it because he's got some great stories, uh, he was a CIA undercover agent. <laughs> uh, I know it sounds like a movie, doesn't it? Uh, but his, some of his assignments were like in Pakistan and Afghanistan. Uh, so you can imagine that kind of background. Uh, but I, I mentioned bipartisanship. I've always considered him a friend. And uh, I think the greatest uh, demonstration of bipartisanship is when uh, Congressman Hurd and Congressman Beto O'Rourke got together and decide if one's a Democrat, one's a Republican, and they decided to take a car trip to Washington, D.C. Uh, to attend the next session of, of Congress. And so they drove up there, and of course, they were broadcasting the whole thing. It's classic stuff, and uh, maybe we'll have some clips uh, come next June for the audience. But I think they're going to enjoy Will Hurd. Uh, he's going to educate us on where the threats are today, what's happening in Congress, the need for bipartisanship. And uh, this is, uh, he has been described by Texas Monthly and Political Magazine as the future of the Republican Party. Wow. Wow. We really appreciate you getting him to speak at the conference. That's going to be just incredible. And I'm sure, Charlie, we're going to find a slot for you as well. You're going to come up from San Antonio to, to join us in Austin on June 23rd through the 25th, right? Well, Joe, I think that the first duty of all of us, including the audience today, is we've got to make sure that Austin is still weird uh, after this pandemic. We're going to find out. All right. I, I, I'm pretty sure we'll probably help with that reputation. I know Joe you? will. I, I, well, you know, i got to do my part. That's what Charlie said. So, uh, you know, I'll be out there doing that. Well, Charlie Gonzalez, as always, we so appreciate your time and your insights and uh, look forward to working with you further for Workplace Strategies 2021 in Austin. Oh, y'all guys take care. Thanks, take Charlie. Care, Good to see you. Well, that was... Once again, a fascinating discussion with Charlie Gonzalez. That was very, very good. In fact, you know what? I don't care which way you lean, to the right or to the left. You've got to have a lot of confidence when someone like that with such great personality and reasoning abilities uh, uh, speaks to you. It, it was very touching. Well, and you can see how he could be somebody, you know, in the middle. Absolutely. I mean, or at least willing to do what he feels was like in the best interest of the, his state, his district. Absolutely. Yeah, in the country. Um, and uh, it, it, he brings such perspective, you know, lawyer, judge, congressman, uh, irre irreplaceable knowledge. Really, Absolutely. Really. Absolutely. And how about uh, Representative Will Hurt? On the Can't program. wait. Ought to be very interesting. I did uh, not know that he was a, a Secret Service agent. I didn't know that uh, either. CIA agent. CIA, yes. CIA. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that, uh, was aware that either. That. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some fascinating uh, stories. Yeah, but if he tells us, he has to kill us. Oh, well, okay. Maybe not all the stories. <laughs> Just pick the ones that we can still survive That's right. afterwards. That's right. uh, but, uh, but, you know, he, he's, been, he's been much in the news and talking about his decision not to run for Congress again. And it, it, I think that'll be a, a really interesting perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, All right. Well, are you uh, ready to talk about, our, uh, talk about our wines? I am ready to talk about our wines. And I think you ought to go first. Well, I mean, do you want to talk about what, the, what you drank last week first? Or, yes. Or? Uh, what did I drink last week? You had the Brown Estate. Oh, Chandler Vagon. Yeah. Yes. Actually. <clears throat> As will Nancy uh, Cassidy. 
be enjoying the Brown Estate. I, I had Congratulations, the, uh, Nancy. I had the Brown Estate Cabernet last week. I really enjoyed that. Uh, and, and I've had it before, and that's why I wanted to have it again. I, I really did enjoy that. And I'm enjoying tasting it uh, over the course of a little bit of time and seeing how it uh, tastes different, how it ages uh, differently. So I yeah. enjoyed it. What did yeah. you have last week? Well, um, I had the winning wine, the Eight Years in the Desert, which is the Orange Swift uh, uh, blend. And But before we talk about that, what did you, did you have it with dinner? I did have it with dinner. Okay, all right, because uh, you're a food guy, I'm so you like guy. to talk about the combination food and wine. And yes, we, we had uh, grilled lamb chops. Wow. Very good, very good. Very interesting, because, yes. uh, you know, it, you might think of that as one that some people would have a white wine with, right? Lamb yeah. chops? Well, yeah. Not me. Not you? Red okay. meats, red wine. Okay, red wine, big cab, huh? Big, big cab. cab with lamb chops? That's oh, right. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Well, the uh, eight years in the desert, I'm, I'm prepared this time when you ask me what I had with it. Because okay, last time, enough. I didn't know you were going to ask that. But, you know, it was, it was a, we've had a lot of wind here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of chilly. And so um, we actually had chili uh, last weekend. And so th- this big Zinfandel with the chili and cornbread was fabulous. Oh, it nice. really an interesting, not a combination that you would normally say, oh, let's have a nice bottle of wine with chili. I would not chili. have thought of that. See, no, you probably not. But, you know, with Zinfandel, it's such a big, you know, bold, chewy, jammy kind of wine mm-hmm. with, you know, with chili and cheese and onions and cornbread. I, it, you know, it, it worked. It it wouldn't be what you would normally think. Put but, me in the mind of a cold but, beer, but that's just me. But it would work. Well, you know, yeah. Try different things. Okay. Got to expand your horizon. All right, fair enough. You know, expand your horizon. So now we want to talk about uh, what we're going to drink this next week and what one of you will win by simply participating in the polling at the end of our stories about our wine or by simply subscribing to Spotify as Nancy Cassidy did. And you want me to go first? I want you to go first. Okay. All right. So let me get my bottle here. So um, I went international this year our first international uh, bottle so this is um, a Brunello Brunello de Montecina and um, this is a a, a fabulous bottle fabulous bottle of wine. it's Italian Ah, Italian. it's it's Italian and um, you know the 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 Brunellos are actually a form of Sangiovese and it's a special type of Sangiovese that was discovered in the 1840s in the hills of Montecino Hmm. So that's why it got that particular name. Now, it has become uh, one of the most popular wines in the world. These Brunillos are, are extremely popular, and uh, they're, they're fabulous. They're, but they're very different than a lot of the Napa wines that we've been talking about. We've been ah. talking about big calves. We've been talking about big Zinfandel wines. This is different. It's going to be uh, softer. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to be a little lighter. Mm-hmm. And the alcohol content, which is something that we don't talk about a lot or people don't think about a lot, but the, the Napa wines tend to have a lot more alcohol content mm-hmm. than the European wines. So whereas uh, some of the wines that we've been drinking, probably 14 and a half, maybe even a little bit more percent mm-hmm. alcohol, maybe mm-hmm. even with the Orange Swift stuff, a lot of the Orange Swift stuff gets over 15 percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. This will be more like 13 and a half percent. About 13 and a half percent. And this is an interesting wine, as you may have noticed, the label is kind of cool. It's sort of grapes and a note, mm-hmm. and they call it Mozart. Uh, and they, they say it's, they, they enjoy drinking this Brunello, the winemaker does, drinking this Brunello while listening to classical music. Very interesting. Which sounds like a nice evening. So um, if you like European wines, if 
you, you, you know somebody who's from Europe or you've ever been to Europe, you should vote for this one. So I picked <laughs> for my wine for next week uh, this 2013 Maryville Pinot Noir. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Pinot Noir, uh, and then I'll tell you why I picked this particular one. Uh, it's going to be a little bit lighter uh, than the Cabernets we've been drinking and talking uh, about mostly. Indeed, indeed. But let me talk about why I picked this Maryville uh, uh, Pinot Noir. You see, this was one of the first wineries I went to. There was a time when I was fairly intimidated by wines. I enjoyed wines. I liked wines. But I didn't know what from. You pick this, you choose this, you choose that. Someone said, let's go to a winery. And this was uh, one of the first ones that we went to. And I remember I was saying to one of the people who worked there, you know, I love wine, but I'm not quite sure how to pair wine with things. I'm not quite sure uh, how to make a decision what to drink with what. And you know what he said to me to stay with me? He says, listen, you know what? You can enjoy wine without being a wine snob. Enjoy what you enjoy with what you enjoy. And I thought, wow. And so I had a really a nice, uh, really uh, enjoyable glass of Pinot while I was there. Uh, I bought some, and I've enjoyed it ever since. Because it's a good wine, but also, I really remember that man's advice. I took it to heart, and it stuck with me. Now, if you like so, that story, vote for my wine. So you're trying to play that whole heartstrings angle now. You know, hey, uh, this is my first wine. You know, come, look. You know. I only tell the stories as I experience life. That's all I can do. International, elegant Brunello. Regular person, <laughs> entree into wine, enjoyed it. Uh, oh, my. Okay. Well, we'll see, uh, we see what the, uh, the, the polls have to say. Now, as a reminder, don't forget, if you haven't registered for Workplace Strategies 2021, uh, June 23rd through the 25th. In Austin, Texas. In Austin, Texas. And you can participate in person or you can participate virtually. But if you're going to attend in person, you need to register soon. We're starting to get close to being filled up. Only 350 folks can be there because we're going to make sure we're socially distanced and abiding by all the applicable and appropriate safety protocols. So um, register soon if you're not already registered. I'm really excited uh, hearing from uh, Congressman Will Hurt. And uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Yeah. And so that's going to be on uh Will Heard will be on Wednesday, June the 23rd. And keep in mind that we've moved the charity event from Wednesday to Thursday the 24th. But on Wednesday the 23rd, we're going to have what? Dinner with the doctorate. There you go. You like that, don't well, maybe you? Maybe we ought to say that in the singular. Dinner with the doctorate. Just you? Just me. Just you? I'm all you got. All right. Well, I guess uh, you could try that. Uh, you know, that's, I don't know. You're going to have to answer a lot of questions. Me and 70 of you. Yeah. <laughs> with Joe's credit card. Well, there you go. That's it. That's probably true. That's how most of these things go. Uh, well, until next time, I'm Joe Beachport. And I'm Dr. Dennis Davis. And this has been Workplace Strategies Update.